Hey everyone, welcome to The Gray Area. I'm Maggie Gray. Thanks so much for stopping by. On today's show, we're going to talk to three-time Pro Bowler and the 2009 AP Offensive Player of the Year, Combine icon, Chris Johnson, CJ2K. Um, We're going to talk to him about that epic performance he had in that Combine back in 2008 where he ran a 40-yard dash in 4.24 seconds. He still holds the record. Um, He's partnering up with Adidas. They are promoting a new cleat. It's called the Add a Zero 5-Star 6.0 Uncaged Cleat. And you may have heard um, this sort of cool thing they're doing with it, which is if anyone runs the 40 faster than Chris Johnson did in 2008, they will get their own island or an island that is worth up to $1 million. So we're going to talk to Chris about the cleats. We're going to talk to him about the island. We're going to talk about his combine performance. Uh, That all goes down right now. Here is Chris Johnson from Indianapolis. Hey, Chris, the last time I interviewed you, you came into our studio in Midtown Manhattan. You were playing for the Jets, and (laughs) you had someone with you. And we all looked at him like, is that Lendell White? (laughs) And it was. And he was wearing a T-shirt and like shorts and sandals and was nice enough to come on the show with us. Um, I mean, are you guys still hanging out? How's Lendell doing? What's bring us up to speed? What's the latest with Smash and Dash? Oh, he's doing good. Just chilling. Just chilling, I guess. (laughs) You know, that conversation, I went back and looked at it. And the one big takeaway was you and him both said, if you had any advice to give to the next generation of running backs, your advice would be don't be running backs. <laughs> do you <laughs> do you still stick by that? Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, I, I still love that position. That's what I dreamed of. I feel like I came in and did what I was supposed to do at that position. But it just seemed like the the um, you could play much longer at different positions and stuff like that. But I would, like, I love the position so much, like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't try to convince anyone um, not to play it. But you know, like my kids, like I wouldn't, I wouldn't force them to play it. If you understand what I mean. Yeah, I think at the time you said I'd rather be a cornerback than I, than be a running back. First of all, you don't have to deal with linebackers who are forty pounds heavier than you. Yeah. And also <laughs> yeah. because it seems like cornerbacks are at such a premium, or wide receivers that they just get a lot more love than running backs do. Yeah, they do. They don't take as many hits, can play so many more years. So, you know, you got a lot of plus pluses to it. You're about to hit your 10th year. I mean, when you first mm-hmm. started, how important is that benchmark to you? I mean, did you have that in mind when you first, you know, were drafted in the first round? Or is this yeah. something special yeah, for you? I always want to say I want to play at least 10 years in this league and, if I can do that, then, you know, I, I think I have reached my goal. And, you know, I'm right here at it. So um, I'm pretty close. <laughs> You're close. I want to talk to you about, about that and kind of where you see yourself this season, all that in a second. But, you know, for you, or at least for fans of yours, a lot of this kind of started at the Combine. You know, that's really where you went from being, you know, just a college prospect to kind of like a legend in the forty. And you're back in Indianapolis yeah. now, so what kind of memories does it bring up? Well, yeah, you know, it's a lot of memories here. Um, even when I came to the combine, there was so much stuff going on. and You know, it's like everybody thinks that you come to the combine and you come and work out, but it's much more than that. you got to go through all the doctors. you got to go through taking all the tests 
and all that stuff. So it's kind of like, it's kind of, it kind of gets frustrating because you be here so long and like, you're like, um, I'm ready to work out already. I'm ready to get it over with. So it's kind of not a record. But once you get to the on-field stuff and running and doing all that, it goes by pretty quick. But, you know, that was, that was a good weekend for me. I ended up setting the record and all that. So, you know, that is always, always a special place here for me. You know, people talk a lot of in their lives about like moments that kind of change their lives. And, you know, as a professional athlete for a decade, you've had a lot of moments, I'm sure, that you could say changed your life. But what was running that 424 like? I mean, would you say that was the moment? I mean, did, did your life totally change or am I overblowing it too much? Um, I think you could say that. <laughs> um, I had I had done already did so many things as far as my 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 seniors in college, and then um, the the bowl game I had to set a record, and then just put icing on top of the four two four, and I think that kind of pushed me into the first round. So um, that like yeah, I never forget that moment. Were you nervous before it? I mean, do you remember crossing the finish line and thinking I've never run any faster, or had you actually clocked times that were even faster than a four two four? Well, I ran a four one eight stopwatch, but you know, I, I don't really count that. I only count the electric time because it's more accurate. So um, I wasn't nervous. I just knew I just had to come out and like I did everything that I could do. I just had to come out. I had to come out and, and just run and run fast. I was so used to like running fast and running track, so it was really it was nothing to me. I had to run in front of like in track meets. I had to run in front of way bigger crowds. So coming out to the combine, you run in front of all the coaches and stuff like that. Yeah, these are the guys that's going to give you a job and and give you all the money and stuff like that. But I wasn't nervous. I just had to come out and run. Yeah, I mean, listen, you came from Eastern Carolina, you know, I feel like there's there is that whether it's fair or not, you know, a smaller school doesn't get as much attention as like, you know, the Alabamas, the Clemsons. But can, can you go back to the 418? What where did that come from? Where I don't remember that story. When did you run a 418? Um, when the scouts come out to the, to the um, to senior day before uh, the juniors that's going to be seniors. Oh, got it. OK, the scouts come out. Yeah, the scouts come out to the different schools and we test on 40s and bench press and they get your height and weight and those couple things. So we was um, <clears throat> we was in there. Yeah, and I ran the, uh, I ran the 40 and they clocked the time and they 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 was in disbelief. <laughs> They're like, oh, nah, nah, you got to run it again. <laughs> so I came back and ran it again. So it was like, it was crazy. Did you get, did you, what did you do the second time when you ran it again? Um, it was pretty much the same, around the same time. Damn. So uh, maybe I'll ask you this question. Do you feel like in the future, is someone going to break a four second 40? Are we going to see like a three, nine, eight or a three, nine, nine? Oh, I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm not sure. I don't, I don't think so. Could you have been Hopefully in a limit? don't go under four, two, four. <laughs> wait, wait. So you don't want anyone to break your record. No, of course not. I don't know. Some guys are different. You know, some guys, you never know when they hold these records for a long time. Some guys want the records to be broken. They understand they could be broken. Others don't. No, I, yeah, I understand it could be broken. I'm not going to say I want it to be broke, 
but I wanted to keep the record. But if it was to happen, if somebody was to break the record, I wouldn't be bitter about it. Okay, so I'd be happy for them. Yeah, you know the famous story about Mercury Morris and like the Miami Dolphins, right? It's like as soon as someone loses, they're not undefeated, they pop champagne. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the big, all the attention now is on uh, this campaign for Adidas, and you're here talking about these uh, added zero five star six point uncaged cleats, which I ask you about in a moment. But it's more than the cleats; it's about this island that Adidas is mm-hmm. saying they'll give away to whoever breaks your record of the four two four in the forty yard dash. If you had won an island back in two thousand eight, what would your reaction have been? Oh uh, man. Well, I don't. I probably would have chose million dollars over the island, but um, I don't know. That's that's crazy and to be able to just have an island to be yours and all that. That's that's something amazing, and um, it kind of just kind of showed me how how big it is that of the record that I have. Like when I first did in the first couple of years in the league and stuff, like I didn't really look at it as a big deal like that. Like I knew I ran it was the fastest. Um I probably didn't think that it would even last this long. So now that I look back at it, it's like it's it's really a big deal. <laughs> it is a big deal. And you know, a lot of people in their lives are not gonna know what it's like to have a million dollars in their bank account. Fortunately for you, you do know what that's like. So have you ever been island shopping before? I mean you can afford one. Have you ever thought about just buying one with your own money? Oh, no, no, I never thought about it like that. Um, that's something I never thought about. So when I heard about it, it was like, it was like something amazing. Like, it's crazy. I mean, what does a million dollars buy you these days? I, I was wondering, like, do you even get a house on a good island for a million bucks? <laughs> yeah, you get a lot of things with a million dollars. It just depends what you want. <laughs> Uh, I mentioned the cleats, right? Okay, so you're you're promoting mm-hmm. these at a zero five star six point uncaged cleats. I mean, what kind of cleats are they? And I guess you know Michael Jordan had the famous line, "It's got to be the shoes." I mean, do the cleats matter at all when you're running a forty? Um, yeah, I think as long as they're not no real, real big heavy shoes, you got some lighter shoes. That's always gonna help you run faster. Make sure you have the grip and all those things. But depending on the surface, your cleats got to be right for the surface that you run on. So you make sure you don't slip or anything like that. But still, on top of that, you um, they're just like track um, track athletes. They like lighter shoes when they're out there running. So it, it definitely helps in the forty. If you had the at a zero five star six point zero on cage cleats, would you have run? The four point one eight at the combine. <laughs> no, probably so. They're pretty light. <laughs> um, okay, so let's talk about the upcoming season for you. I know you've said before. I read in some reports that you know you want to go somewhere where you can be a starter. I'm just curious. You know, have you been talking to teams? What's coming back? And do you feel like that's a reality for next year? Yeah, I was saying. Yeah, I want to go somewhere where I can be a starter. I need to have a have a role like being involved. So. Um, right now, my agent just talking to a few teams and just seeing what's, what's best for me. And, you know, um, it could be going back to Arizona or it could be somewhere else. It's just right now is the time for me to, you know, sit back and just wait my and see what's best. Here. 
for me. If you go back to Arizona, though, I mean, unless something happens to David Johnson, you probably wouldn't be the starter. How would that sit with you? Like, would you be okay with it, or would you be unhappy with that backup role? That's why I say either a starter or I have to have at least a role okay. to be involved in the offense. Did you feel like that wasn't happening enough last season? Like, it was it not? Um, did you not feel involved enough? Like, there's got to be a reason why you'd want to even be looking around, right? Um, do you feel like you would have to have a conversation or want to have a conversation with with the team to say, hey, you guys can be using me more. I can be more of a weapon for you. Oh, there definitely would be something that would have to be talked about and to be put out there. You know what I'm saying? Like, um, yeah, that, that, that definitely would be a sit-down that I would have to have with those guys. You see the news. I mean, everything doesn't happen in like a vacuum, right? So Adrian Peterson now on the market, Jamal Charles now on the mm-hmm. market. I mean, does that impact the market for you? And how do you view those moves? Um, I don't think so. I think me and Adrian Peterson were two different type of running backs, and he gonna go where he gonna go. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. And um, you know, I mean, Jamal is more similar, but you know, it just depends on what what teams want. Do you feel like Adrian Peterson is going to break that single season record? I mean, he came so close a couple of years ago. Do you think that's in the in the future for him? Um, I'm not sure. It just depends what his situation is and what team he goes to. And, you know, it's kind of hard these days because a lot of teams want to go to more of the passing offense. So, um, I don't know. It, it, it'll be hard. When you see Le'Veon Bell, I mean, people say his running style is unlike anything they've ever seen. From your perspective, have you seen anyone like him? And, and how do you feel about the way he runs with that sort of hesitation? Yeah, he definitely got a different type of running style. And, um, he's probably the first back I've seen with that running style. Um, that's just that's something that works for him. You know, he's obviously just got the franchise tag, and I'm not going to ask you about another guy's contract or anything like that, but it just seems like it's it's hard for running backs to really get paid in this day and age, and especially with the franchise tag. I mean, you know what it's like to be the highest paid running back in the league at one point. How much pressure, how much pride? I mean, describe the feelings of, of having that sort of, you know, of having that sort of on you. Well, as far as being the highest paid running back? Yes, yeah, more pressure, more pride. I mean, how did you view it? I don't look at it as more pressure. I just look at it like if you continue to work hard and do the same thing you've been doing before you got, got paid, then, you know, um, you should be all right. But, you know, it, it comes a lot with it. If, um, if you come back and not having the same type of seasons or if, like if it's not going well, no matter who fault it is, it all is always gonna lie back on you, because basically you're the the highest paid person basically on the team or at that position. So, like basically, like they don't want to hear no excuses. So right. that that's a little pressure, but you know you just gotta live with it. If you were, if, if someone like Le'Veon Bell, I don't know if he's ever come to you for advice, but like you've been through the contract negotiations, you know, you've had to threaten to sit out and luckily it didn't come to you having to miss games, but you've had to like kind of call the team's bluff before to get what you felt like you deserved. I mean, if you were to give him any kind of advice or anyone advice, what would it be? Um, you know, everybody's situation is different. Uh, 
like in my situation, like I'm not sure how many what how many years Le'Veon got left on his deal or anything like that. But myself, I had I think I had two or three years left on my deal, and it was situation like I ran for two thousand yards, came back ran for fourteen hundred, and it was like I was still getting paid pennies, so I knew I deserved more. Um, only thing that I would think that I probably would change in my situation is um, I would never want to go um, into a football season without going through going through some training camp. Mm. And after my year that I held out, I like I got I got to the team maybe maybe five days before the first game of the season. No training camp, no nothing. Um, so that that would be my only advice to make sure you get some training camp in you. Yeah, it's that's good advice. Uh, we only have a couple minutes here, and I, I want to make sure that I hit on this one thing. And you know, and I'm sorry if this is kind of a tough subject, but we're coming up on the two year anniversary, March eighth. That's when you were shot yeah. in the shoulder uh, in Orlando. Driver of the car was killed. Another passenger was injured. I mean, I, I just can't imagine how, how does going through something like that change your perspective on football, on life? I mean, how do you come out on the other side of that? Oh, man, you know, after that situation, um, one of my best friends ended up um, getting killed. Um, another one of my friends ended up getting shot five times. And then I got shot and then it happened right around <clears throat> free agency time. So after that happened, you know, it was it was tough for me to to get back um, in shape and get back to where I can play football again. So once I was really given the opportunity, it was like I was just happy to be playing football, really. So it just made me realize how blessed I was to be able to play football. I mean, I, I, I can't claim that I know you well, but I mean, it doesn't seem like you're a person who's kind of like, why me? You know, it doesn't seem like you're a person who would really be like wallowing. But after something like that, I mean, how, do you feel like, you know, that sort of why me? Like, why did this have to happen to me? Or are, how did you process it? Oh, no, I didn't look at it like that. It, I, I looked at it as a learning experience. And, um, you know, it probably was, things that I was doing, places that I was at um, before that stuff happened that I didn't need to be. So by that happening, you know, I feel like God was just showing me something. He had to take me through that for me to for me to realize um, some of the decisions I was making in some of the places that I was hanging around that I didn't need to be there. So it kind of showed me in that type of way. Yeah, I can imagine. I mean, do you, are your I mean, is your life different now because of that? Yeah, you know, I I, I think wisely, um, more smarter about things I do, places I'm at, um, the way I move, and those type of things. So I can say, yeah, it changed me. It changed me a lot. Listen, I mean, for all of your fans, just glad that you're okay uh, and that you're going to be continuing your football career. You've given the fans a lot of uh, incredible moments and looking forward to more from you. Chris, we just really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Have fun in Indianapolis, all right? All right, thank you. 
My thanks to Chris Johnson. Thank you to Paul from Adidas who hooked that up. The shoes are the Adazero 5 Star 6.0 Uncaged Cleats. Thank you, Alan Kim, my producer, for setting this whole thing up. Hope you guys enjoyed the combine. We'll see if someone wins the island. I don't know. Um, <laughs> they're going to have to run pretty fast. And appreciate Chris Johnson kind of diving deep there on some really personal stuff. If you want to get in touch with me, you can do so on Twitter. At Maggie Gray is my handle. Use the hashtag Gray Area. See you guys next week on The Gray Area.